Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello, Super Ninfrendos, and welcome to Monhan Raiwi on NBC. <laughs> I am your temporary, temporary host, Seth Macy. Joining me today is the official IGN Monster Hunter Rise Hero Squad, Casey DeFridis. Hi. Logan Plant. Seth. And the huntingest hunter of them all, 
Tom Marks. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I think that was the first person you listed, but hello. <laughs> okay, all right. Fine. Well, <laughs> today mean... we are ta- talking about uh, Monster Hunter, of course, but we're also talking about Super Nintendo World, new Super Nintendo Switch news, and of course, the forthcoming public murder of Mario. But let us get to the elephant in the room or a creature that looks like an elephant. Aha, uh-huh, that's a little like a monster. And that's where you jump in and say, oh, you mean a, a, a nozoloth? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what's what's the name of the mammoth guy? I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember either. He's one of the faded four in Monster Hunter Generations, though. Yeah, Logan, do you remember? See, that's <laughs> We're all why... terrible. We already failed. We already failed the first <laughs> one. But you know what? Generations was like generations ago. So how am I supposed to remember that? Because the game we're talking about this week is Rise, in which I yes. know all of those monster games <laughs> off the top and of my we head. Are on the rise. And Tom reviewed Monster Hunter Rise, gave it an eight, which is, of course... Great. Great, Tom. Let's hear uh, about Monster Hunter Rise. Your thoughts, please. Uh, it's really fun. It's a blast. I no, seriously, it's like there there are parts of it that don't I think hit quite as hard for me as others that ultimately left me liking World more overall. Such but, as, can you give an example? Uh, like um, real quick interruption it's gameth which is what i thought it was but i thought that that was like there's no way it's just mammoth with a g so i didn't say it but it's a giant it mammoth. is, it oh, is. I get it now. okay that's some, that's some right. pokemon like ducklet naming right there <laughs> apologies please continue tom yeah no so i think it's really fun uh the the distinction for me is i think the movement and the combat with the wire bugs and the mobility they bring is probably the best monster hunter has ever felt to me it is incredibly fast it is incredibly fluid it's extremely fun um but then kind of a lot of the things around that are just like a little bit thinner a little bit less fleshed out than world a little bit the the word joe scrubbles our our news editor in the uk um were used was there's there's kind of less wonder to it a, there's a little bit less mystery a little bit less mystique it's a little mm. bit more gamey in certain spots, which is absolutely not a problem because it is mm-hmm. a game and it's meant to be played. And that's why I still think it's a really, really, really great game. Um, it's just why it didn't quite hit as hard for me as World or Iceborne. Um, but yeah, I think that some of the changes they made in this game are just remarkably smart and remarkably fun. And others are just pretty dang fun and like that's yeah. absolutely not a scathing thing to say right like, what's one of the what's one of the major changes that you you really liked about this latest game uh the, the wire bugs is is yeah like yeah the, they so for those who don't know monster hunter or haven't been paying attention to the coverage like they give you this basically rechargeable resource that lets you jump basically anytime super long distances. It lets you climb any wall in the game or nearly any wall in the game. Um, It lets you do these special moves that are either very fancy or very maneuverable. And then also it does this thing that's incredibly vital where now when you get knocked on your butt by a hit, you can just press ZL and B and immediately pop up off of the ground and have your weapon sheathed and you can immediately re-engage or really, really quickly heal or walk away. And like all of that combined basically just changes the pace of Monster Hunter so significantly that like I think a lot of people think of Monster Hunter because of the earlier games as this slow plotting thing. And there still is 
a lot of slow moments where like if you're using a super heavy weapon like the great sword or the hammer you still do attack slower you still do have to line up your shots right like that is a key part of those weapons but a lot of the other stuff is just quicker now and i think that's incredibly smart because it gives the game a much more actiony pace than than something before that the games before it and i i really really love that and i've just played the demo but i felt that it even made getting to the monster more fun with both the wire bug and the palamute the dog that you can ride around the world i felt that the map in the demo was really built around this wire bug mechanic where there are walls that you can get over if you have two wire bugs plus the extra one you can pick up uh, tom did you feel that the maps further on in the game were also suited really well around that wire bug mechanic yeah definitely that they they use they encourage you to use the movement in a lot of clever ways around the map i think that's partly with you know the endemic life being hidden and all these little nooks and crannies the speary birds which are these little colorful stat buffs um i think the maps it's funny i i really liked the maps a lot Uh, they were like a little bit it's funny to say this because there's so much verticality in the maps but because you have so much control they sometimes felt a little bit flatter like like functionally to me because there was like you could just go anywhere so like there was a little bit less structure to them which is Mm -hmm. really amazing and freeing and fun it was just also like stylistically they they blend together very very slightly more than something when i'm thinking of world where like the Coral Highlands is so unique and different from something like the Rotting Vale or something like the Elder's Recess. And they all have this sort of like personality to them. And now the personality in Rise is basically just Wirebug. And that's awesome because that personality is wonderful, right? And I'm not talking visually because visually they all are very distinct. But yeah. And it also just gives you an incentive to explore more because exploring is just that much more fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, because you have the wire bug and the palamute to get around quickly, that going off on a detour isn't going to take so long. Yeah. And it will actually be a fun experience instead of just like, I guess I got to walk here now. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> speaking of that, there are still subcamps and things that you can find. So you can still do some fast travel and everything. But yeah, we were talking about this, like just the small addition of the Wirebug Fall makes the pacing for this game much faster, but it also makes it feel easier than previous Monster Hunter games, because in previous Monster Hunter games, you get hit, you are then knocked back and put in a vulnerable position where you can then maybe be hit again very easily. And with the Wirebug Fall, as long as your reaction is quick enough and you just go in the correct direction away from the monster, like you can just get right back up on your feet heal because you automatically she's your weapon and there's no longer this little mini game going on inside your brain okay like how, should i wait on the floor so i don't get hit again uh when can i use my potion and also speaking of that you can always just get on your palamute and run circles around the monster while sharpening your weapon and while uh taking potions or whatever else you need to do and have very very little risk about getting hit so just those two the palamute and the wire bug just makes it feel a little bit easier once you get the hang of it because it is a lot of extra controls even for people who have been playing monster hunter but once you get used to it (laughs) it's very fun that was that was actually something i noticed uh when i was because i was capturing footage for a review like 
all the way through my 50 hours of playtime for this review. And one thing I was noticing when I was going back for the review to try to find good moments and good examples of things I was talking about is when I was looking at footage that I captured in maybe the first 20 hours, I was using the wire bug way less than when I was using the last 20 hours of that footage where I was using wirefall basically every time I got hit back or hit like knocked back. And then when I was looking at like the, you know, all the low rank stuff I was doing, I like barely ever used it. It takes a moment to really like realize how impactful that ability is. And also just to repeat it, he said it 20 hours, which I completely agree with. I did not feel, I don't feel comfortable with a weapon until I, play with it for about that long and with the wire bug and everything like I didn't get used to I remember when I was playing the demo I had put in maybe like five or six hours into just the demo and I was talking to people and saying I don't feel comfortable with this game yet I don't know I'm not using the wire bug enough I'm not doing this enough and it took me around 15 or 20 hours before I felt really really comfortable with the controls to look and feel like I knew what I was doing <laughs> yeah it's it's still got I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the, a key thing about Monster Hunter, right? And and Rise and World both together is like World streamlined a ton of stuff and Rise took a lot of that streamlining and continued it or adapted it or whatever. But like neither game feels like it has removed depth. And I think World mm-hmm. is actually Rise has actually added a little bit more depth with some of the customers customization you can do to the weapons. But like there's still so, so much here to like dig into and learn even if you are even if it is a more accessible game that doesn't mean it is like uh a dumbed down version yeah. of monster hunter mm. and I, also, yeah, I was actually gonna ask is this this will probably be my first monster hunter because i was playing the demo and it clicked for me almost cool. like i feel almost. like i need the full game for it to fully click but i also had parker who's really familiar my son really familiar with he was like coaching me and helping me that's so He's awesome little, that's how little. you should play monster hunter <laughs> yeah and he was like oh yeah you gotta sharpen it up you see that gauge up there that means your 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 giant guitar that you're using is getting dull <laughs> i was like okay all right cool thanks buddy um but i was gonna ask uh for casey and tom like is this a good one for people who maybe have wanted to get into monster hunter but you have just been too afraid of it yeah, I was actually going to say, even though we said it took like 15 or 20 hours to feel like we're an expert with the controls, I don't want to turn away any beginners because just because you're not an expert at using the wire bug and the controls doesn't mean you can't play the game. Like I got through that the first 15, 20 hours of the game without needing to know those controls, right. you know? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, it's just was really cool when I... It's just Monster Hunter is a really unique, cool thing where when you do figure out something, it is just a really exciting moment that now you have a cool oh. new tool in your arsenal that you could beat those monsters even better and faster now. Like I played with the hunting horn for the first like 10 hours and I didn't realize that the the R trigger, I've never played hunting horn in a previous Monster Hunter game before. So apologies if this is a known fact for previous hunting horn players, but the, the R trigger uh, has invincibility frames so you can actually dodge with that attack and i didn't know that and it completely like blew my mind and changed my world with that weapon so like those like small little um i guess discoveries just changes the way you play and makes it that much better which is really cool but rise does it in a way where you don't necessarily need to know how to be a pro at a weapon to get through the story so all right yeah so then on the other side of it does 
for longtime Monster Hunter fans, does that make the game too easy? Because I think I think back in my time with World and there's these certain like checkpoints you hit in the story, like when you fight a Diablos and it just kicks your butt, when you fight the Nergigante and it just it just destroys you for a few times till you have to figure it out. Sounds like you two are kind of breezing through the story. Are longtime fans going to have challenge in this game? Yeah, this is something Casey and I talked about uh, and we talked about a little bit before, but just generally throughout is like, are are we just better from having put hundreds of hours in world or are is this game easier? And I think when other reviews came out, a general sentiment is that this is an easier game um, kind of overall. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into that stuff like you can heal quicker, stuff like Casey was saying, where you can just sort of ride around on the dog if you need a break, like you can get out of there pretty easily, wirefall, things like that. So it is it is an easier game. Um, And I one of my like I never I was just saying this, but like I think I only lost a single mission the entire time I played for the review. And that was uh, because somebody was AFK and got killed accidentally while they were away from from the game. Right. And like so we were down a faint and like I've only fainted like I can count how many times I fainted total on the like one hand. Right. Like it's it's. It's it's definitely easier, um, but there were still moments that kicked my butt. I never I know exactly the moments you're talking about, especially like in world, like the first time you face Anjanaf. Yeah, that's the first one. One shot you with mm-hmm. a fireball and you're just like, oh, great. Like that's <laughs> like a that's like a, a body check of a moment. I never really felt like I had those in rise. There are definitely points where you get up to higher rank stuff and it gets harder and you're like, dang, this is a harder monster. But it's never really to the degree of past games, I don't think. And I think that's sort of generally one of my not issues, but like one of the shortcomings of Rise is that it really is lacking sort of that last layer of like end game challenge to really push you and test you and use all of its systems really to their max and like really make you think about really in depth about what armor skills you're using and what weapons you're equipping like you really don't have to think crazy hard about that stuff with the content that's in the game at launch um which is a little disappointing again not a deal breaker because it took me 50 hours to get to that point but (laughs) just a little disappointing as like a as someone who spent hundreds of hours in world yeah i think 50 hours i'm sorry casey go ahead no you go ahead I was going to ask, is that 50 hours just like your total playtime or was that you stuck to the story? Because so, uh, Bravely Default was 65 hours and I barely deviated from the story at all. No, so. no. So you could you could finish the story of this game quicker if you just focused on the story. Um, and you there is lots more for me to play in terms of like. There's a couple food item optional quests that unlock better food items that I didn't get. There's a couple of quests that unlock different moves that I didn't do yet. Um, but like the way I described it in the review, which I think is the right wording for it, is it took me 50 hours to basically see everything there is to see in terms of okay. like monsters and challenges and sort of variety. And that doesn't mean I'm sick of that stuff and I want to keep playing more of it. But like I'm kind of running out of things where it's like the surprise element of it is like okay i've i've basically seen everything this game is going to throw at me and now it's just the kind of classic monster hunter fun of oh well i want this item so i gotta go fight a lot of this guy and and that sort of stuff right yeah i can completely agree with that like world as you guys already said world had many 
checks in place that kind of made you reevaluate the weapon you're using, reevaluate the armor skills that you had, reevaluate, you know, everything. Like, what am I doing wrong once you got to that point? And what's going on with my life? (laughs) Yeah. What what do I have to do? Like when I first unlocked Kieran in Monster Hunter World, I said, you know what? This sucks. I'm going to learn a whole new weapon so I can kill this thing easier. Yeah. And, um, and in, in Rise, I never really had any moments like that i kind of just made what i could when i could without a whole lot of extra effort and keep in mind i was repeating occasional quests because i was playing with some friends so i did repeat a couple of things a couple of times but there was never a point in rise where i said i need to have i need to master this weapon and i need a perfect armor set or i'm going to have too hard of a time to continue like my armor set at the end is trash it is complete garbage it accomplishes only almost nothing i have like a few a few points in like evade window and a few points in critical eye and like it's not it's not good it's just what i could make at the time i think i went out and purposely went to get a material once and it was so i could make a better hunting horn but and and crucially if i may Mm -hmm. crucially your armor set is that and you could successfully use that for the hardest things the game can currently throw at you with no issue right like that's the problem is not just like Mm -hmm. is that it it does not ever push you to use its systems even though its systems are really really interesting and nuanced yeah Mm. like i could now go and grind to make a perfect awesome set and perfect my use of a of the hunting horn but right now there's not really a reason to but i do really want to emphasize they have a pretty substantial update planned for the end of april and i assume that's when we are going to need those better armor sets and master mastery over weapons is to complete the extra content that comes out after as is the case with previous monster hunters i think the u.s has been a little bit spoiled as far as monster hunter content goes in recent monster hunter games like so even even generations like before generations ultimate generations on the 3ds was a celebration of all of monster hunters so of course there were so many monsters and so many maps and so much content and then generations ultimate was that plus a whole year of content plus a whole extra difficulty level and for ultimate was the base game plus a year of updates that japan got plus a whole extra difficulty level so those that's kind of what we've gotten used to here is we get games when there's already been a year of support so i think we right. can definitely expect the level of support plus some i think we're getting extra i think the updates are going to be bigger for rise than they were for world because world kind of already had a lot of really difficult challenges at the end and then even more additional challenges in tempered monsters so i definitely expect those challenges and that's what i'm going to spend mm-hmm. the next month doing is preparing for what i expect to be those challenges but i i also wanted to mention i'm not going to call out who but i read i did read a review that said you could get to the end if you grind it a lot and that wasn't my experience so i guess maybe someone like maybe it will take you a lot of grinding it just kind of depends on your comfort level of risk when going up against new challenges in monster hunter yeah yeah i think i think that's a a great explanation of it um it's it's not something that longtime monster hunter fans or japanese monster hunter fans will be unfamiliar with right this idea of like getting more through updates 
but it is something that I think, like we talk about world gets a lot of praise. And I, I got a comment of somebody being like, well, why do you bring up world so much? And I'll, I'll, I've said this before. I'll say this again. World outsold the best monster, the previously best monster hunter by 11 million copies. Right. <laughs> it's just insane. The best hunter before was I think try with like 4.5 million sold. Uh, that's a rough number around there. And world sold like 16 million. Right. It's not even it's it's not even close. Right. right. It is an insanely more popular <laughs> game than anything Monster Hunter has ever put out before. So for a lot of people, I made a lot of comparisons to world because for a lot of people, world is all, you know, right. World for a lot of Monster Hunter fans, world is the only thing you have reference to. And world made a lot of improvements to Monster Hunter that were not just streamlining mechanical stuff like whetstones and healing. Right. Like th- it made a lot of improvements to the fact that its world felt very like congruent and you would explore this island in an interesting way that where it's like, oh, the Coral Highlands were behind this ravine where we fought this specific monster. That's really neat. Oh, the Rotting Vale is under the Coral Highlands very specifically and you can see things falling from above into it. Like that's really, really cool. And World also did really interesting things but or like gave people endgame content very quickly right like it did a lot of things that people are gonna kind of expect from this game that rise just sort of doesn't do and like Mm. it doesn't do it to the point where it's a catastrophe it's just that it doesn't do it and so as someone coming only from world there are going to be noticeable things where you're like oh this is a little bit thinner than that right like this is a little bit flatter than that experience and yeah that's why i think monster hunter is in a really interesting space right now because world just changed the whole game and like you said tom brought in 10 million new people who hadn't really played this thing before and it's a very different game than something like generations ultimate which is a much more difficult hardcore game and i think that it's just it's a game that's trying to please a lot of people with what it has to offer because there's some fans that want that grind and that really hardcore challenge. And then there's some fans who just want to breeze through the 20 to 30 hour story and then put it down. So I think it's, it's in a really unique place in a post world landscape for the series. Yeah. It's, it's feels almost like parallel evolution to a certain extent where like this, that's why I called it like a sidestep from world. Cause I think it, it's, it's, it's feels like, Capcom trying to get the Switch audience onto the same sort of like footing as the PC, Xbox, and PS4 audience or PlayStation Mm. audience that had World, where it's now it feels like Capcom being like, okay, we need to get everyone who didn't play that, who only played Generations Ultimate or whatever, kind of, we need to get them these features so that the next thing can make more sense and not out of the blue. And maybe that's a little, um, you know, underselling it or short selling it, but that that's kind of what it feels like a little bit is like a stepping stone at times. I also am not entirely sure how to articulate my feelings about it because I think so on one hand, sure, I guess I'm like slightly disappointed that I didn't have those those walls and those challenges that I was able to conquer and feel super awesome about. But at the same time, I think the combat is just more fun. Yeah the actual combat is just more fun. So I'm, I'm just going to give Capcom and Monster Hunter the benefit of the doubt that those challenges are going to come later. And in the meantime, I had this really awesome fun game with super cool mechanics that I can then use on more difficult challenges in the future. Yeah. And that's, that's the trick of it, right? It's because I've, Mm -hmm. I've seen some people, some other like YouTubers or reviewers being like, this is my favorite Monster Hunter ever. 
And like, I a hundred percent understand that. Like when it comes to the combat and the mechanics of the fighting, I, I agree. I think this is the best monster hunter has felt to me in the heat of the moment. But like, then there are other things that I think don't make it my favorite ever compared to world. Right. But I, I a hundred percent understand that because it's like, yeah, man, the combat is just so much fun in this game. It is an absolute blast. So I, I totally feel that. I got uh, one more thing before we, we move on. Um, mm-hmm. I played the demo, like I said, and I was really impressed with the graphics because yeah. they looked, especially for the Switch, and I didn't see any stuttering. Is that level of graphical fidelity, does that carry through the full game? Or did you run into any hiccups? Like That kind of is what uh, Hyrule Warriors sort of fell off for me because it stuttered a little bit more than I was really wanted it to. And, I mean, who am I to talk about playing A-Train? But still, I'm wondering if the... Uh, <laughs> Are the graphics, do they hold up? I think so. Yeah. The, the only time that they, the only time I ever noticed any frame stuttering was when you were, we were playing with like four people and there was everybody attacking at once with particle effects and we were okay. either next to like water or smoke or some other type of particle effect. And even then it was only like very, very slight slowdowns, right? And that was super infrequent in very specific cases. Largely this game, I think, runs incredibly well looks really good i really didn't like that the levels were very sort of like uh like monotone in color but then Mm. i realized that that's partly because when you're playing on handheld having them be monotone makes seeing stuff like endemic life and monsters easier right because they pop more uh, on the monotone backgrounds um the load times are freaking insane magic they're like that's awesome like i'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say they are ps5 fast oh wow it is it is quicker sometimes in the town to fast travel to a thing you can see than walk there like it is that fast if you act unbelievable it's it's one of those things where if you accidentally click something on the menu you're not super upset because you know what you can fix it in a second whereas in monster hunter world if you accidentally tried to fast travel somewhere that you didn't mean to it's like well there goes 10 minutes of my Uh, life (laughs) that's an exaggeration but you know what i mean i I think it might actually load into missions like from the time you click a mission to the time you land in it i think is faster than world on ps5 because i've played world on ps5 and Mm -hmm. same i think that even has more load time than this like it is that's that's amazing that is Mm -hmm. And that's crucial in a game like this because it's yeah. that's kind of the whole point of Rise, right? Is like get you in the mission, get you in the mission, get on your dog, go fight the monster, right? And the fact that it has such load times makes that there's so much less friction to doing that. It's really amazing. So yeah, like techn- performance wise, this is pretty dang impressive. Oh, yeah. I also wanted to mention um, this Monster Hunter Rise does online incredibly well, like better than any other Nintendo Switch game I've played. It's amazing. Oh. I don't I mean, know why other games not don't the highest like bar, this. but yeah, <laughs> I, but still yeah, pretty low bar. It's like, the can, anti-Animal Crossing. Yeah. Oh, OK. You can look at your friend list while in Monster Hunter Rise and then just join their lobby or invite them to your lobby. If you play with someone random, you can look at their Nintendo Switch profile and send them a, a friend request. If you like someone that you've played with, there's what? like a like system. You can then see a list of the people who have mutual likes. Oh, my God. Can, like, Xbox I know. Live circa. <laughs> the launch of the 360 yeah. holy cow the it's only the thing, thing it's missing is voice chat but everything else is perfect yeah. <laughs> it's the type of thing that we like shouldn't be praising but <laughs> it, 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 it's great it is hey, when yeah, it, it hits it hits i mean yeah well that was is. uh 
we were talking about the Monster Hunter Rise review, which Tom reviewed, gave an eight. Please go check out his full review for his full thoughts. Casey, I'm sure you have a few guides that people can check out, especially people like I me do. who will be visiting those guides a lot. And then I have a question, Logan, for you. Yeah. Are you getting Monster Hunter tomorrow when it comes out? I'm getting it tonight when it unlocks oh. it. Yeah, My I got it digitally question. installed. Are you getting the day off for Monster Hunter Rise release day? Uh, yeah, I am not working on Friday, so oh, I've got the entire you, weekend. <laughs> are you working for the Japanese yeah. company that has uh, <laughs> Unlimited that has given its employees a holiday? That's the next topic. Uh, the, uh, that was a good segue. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Tech developer Markon Limited realized that a lot of the company employees were requesting to take the day off. Uh, actually, I guess that would be today because uh, Japan, I think, is 14 hours ahead mm-hmm. of me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, company leadership said, you know what? Official company holiday. Everybody just stay home, hunt monsters, have a great time. I like this note that Logan put in here. Employees have been grateful for the decision. Yeah, hell yeah, that's <laughs> that's awesome. Um, any any thoughts uh, from any of the the, the, you know? the rise hype is is just insane in Japan. Uh, so Stealth uh, on Twitter, who's been on this show, he's yep. been tweeting Amazon Japan rankings for sales. And it's like, number one is Monster Hunter Rise Digital. Number two is Monster Hunter Rise Physical. Number three is the Switch Pro Controller. Number four is the actual Switch itself. It's like the top, like ha- over half wow. of the top 10 is all Monster Hunter Amazon. related stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. That's that crazy. Is, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't think we'll see that sort of uh, uh, level of excitement here in the states but i mean let's it, the yeah. switch will definitely be the biggest selling console again in in japan I, and uh and it also makes some amount of sense right because rise is sort of feudally feudal japan themed yeah. and has like uh references to oni and sort of japanese folklore in its in its monster designs and so i think that is um predictably hitting a chord with that audience in in a very significant way I wonder what the final sales numbers will be. What are you going to say, Casey? They're going to be insane. Uh, I yeah. heard rumors that um, Saki Hiyama, the, um, uh, not not him, not that person, the person who made the decision also wanted to take the day off from Monster Hunter Rise. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's good leadership right there. You don't yeah. want to do, you know, you don't want to subject the people below you to something that you wouldn't do yourself. So he said, you know what? I want to stay home and play Monster Hunter, so I'm going to let all of my employees stay home and play Monster Hunter. That is that is great. If you're looking for a job in Japan, Mark Unlimited will give you a free holiday the next time Monster Hunter comes out. Maybe. I can't promise that. If, but, if uh, I didn't have to write guides, I too would be taking off tomorrow because uh, just as an example, I think when did the new 3DS come out? What year was that? 2013? That was 2014. Uh, we, Oh, the new 3DS. I don't actually remember. I think it was 2015. It was 2015. Okay. I remember the date. It was February 13th, which was a Friday. And I touched that day off because I got my new Majora's Mask 3DS and Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. And I took that day off and it was a wonderful weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very collectible uh, version of the 3DS, by the way. Mm -hmm. All of those. uh, Yeah, it is. It's it's one of the best ones. I I wish I had gotten it, but. I bought that one and the Monster Hunter 3DS and another I, collectible one. I couldn't I couldn't keep I couldn't keep both of them. I did not. I had to I had to pick one and I chose to go with Majora's Mask. Oof. Sorry, Monster Hunter. Some Sophie's <laughs> choice. It was prettier. It was prettier. 
Well, yeah, it is. It is much better. But uh, if you're going to be staying home tomorrow for Monster Hunter Rise, just say something in the YouTube comments. We would love to to hear from you uh, and your adventures hunting monsters. And don't forget to check out the guides. Thank you. Some sad news. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television uh the boston bruins home opener i went to watch it and boom blackout restrictions apply which i thought was kind of ridiculous because i'm still 200 miles away from boston but whatever had i had nordvpn that wouldn't have been a problem i would have just gone in changed my settings to another geographic area and boom i could have been watching all the boston bruins home games like it was nothing at all so now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, shifting gears here completely, going from, we we're, were in sixth gear, we we're in a supercar, now we have to go in full reverse, because Mario is going to die on March 31st. I'm sorry. But it's true. Um, yeah, Nintendo has officially announced that Mario will be pubs publicly murdered 
in a uh, in a town square. The town is yet to be determined. They're looking for something that's thematically appropriate for such a such an icon uh, to lose his life. That's not really what's happening. That's just what sort of the internet latched onto because, as you might have known, Mario's 35th anniversary, all the celebration celebratory stuff stops on March 31st. Sort of, kind of. You won't be able to buy the codes online anymore. But if you have a code, you'll still be able to redeem it. Same if you like went into a store. I don't even know. Do they sell cards with like codes on them still? Or do they just sell like yeah. codes that you load up eShop with? I, well, oh, um, I think they did get rid of that uh, a while ago and are just doing the eShop. OK, yeah. but like, if you have a code right now and you haven't redeemed it, like they're not going to punish you if you redeem it on you know April 3rd. It's not going to it's also not going to burst into flames in your hands as you're trying to read it out. Um, it's just basically all the fun stuff. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, uh, Super Mario 35, which is the Battle Royale game, and the Game & Watch, which actually isn't digital, but uh, those will all no longer be uh, available. Whatever is out there in the wild, when it runs out, it's gone. I highly, I highly recommend, if you do have Mario 35 uh, excitement and you haven't sated it yet, you go on to the uh, Get Your Club Nintendo Rewards like my fun little pencil case. Oh, you here got it. Just came in. It just came in. And my posters that were much smaller than I oh. actually expected. Eh, but that's okay because as you can see behind me, space is at a premium here. If you're watching on the video, uh, you know that I have trash everywhere. If you cool, are cool only a listener. Trash. They're valuable well, collectibles. It's, I, have a, I have valuable. Essential These aren't items. toys. They're action figures. Um, <laughs> memorabilia it's memorabilia Memorabilia. and things of that nature and so i'm actually kind of glad that the posters are probably they're like uh 10 by 24 inch instead of i thought they're gonna be you know massive um so it is still possible to get your super mario 35th anniversary fix um but sadly mario will be no more and it'll be wiped from the history books after that actually and we'll only we'll talk about it and no one will know what we're talking about it's gonna be a weird twilight zone episode going on but did did you i I throw to the panel have you have you gotten all of your your super mario 35 needs fulfilled i mean you only have a week left less than a week i'm mad mad (laughs) yes please elaborate nintendo's skeezy full scarcity tactics are working on me you know what's better than no, 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 what, no. Let me finish. False me scarcity finish. is an inf- is much better than real scarcity, which is what we have with the PS5, and people can't get them, and they cost $1,200 on eBay. So give me some fake scarcity instead of the real stuff. Here's, here's, here's what I'm mad about. All right. I've said on this show that I have mm-hmm. not bought 3D All-Stars because I don't care. I, won't, I don't need 3D All-Stars. I can play all these games still on other platforms, and I'm disappointed by the fact that it costs $60 for not too many improvements otherwise, right? I've said that, mm-hmm. and, and that's, you know, you can disagree. That's totally fine. I'm happy if you disagree with that. And I'm Oh, happy good. Well, having, then you should be real, real happy. <laughs> I'm happy if you're having fun <laughs> with them on Switch or if they're the only way you can play them or anything like that. That's great. Um, I don't mean to belittle any of that. But for me, I don't really have any reason to buy this thing. And I don't really like the way it's being handled, so I just abstained. Now it's a week out from when I can never buy it ever again for no good reason. 
and I'm looking at it going, should I pay $60 for that thing though? Maybe what if I want to play it in six months? Like, mm-hmm. and that's exactly why they're doing this. Oh yeah. That's they get their exactly hooks into why, you now. Yeah. That's why they're limiting the supplies. Cause they want people to feel like they have to get it now. And now I'm like, debating about whether i need to buy it or not when i was very happily not owning it a week ago right like, <laughs> i don't know i'm just like annoyed because it's it's exactly the i'm i'm falling into the trap mentally of exactly what i don't like about it right it's and fear missing out yeah, yeah. right and there's a reason I, nintendo's been in business for 130 some odd years they're very good at business you might have noticed <laughs> well, super mario 35 going off that's fine i mean I, I reviewed that i gave it a seven it's kind of a bummer as far from like a uh, uh historical preservationist just uh, point of view because you'll it's sort of like uh, ultra hand that that club nintendo reward that was on the wii u that you can never play again unless you happened to have had the points and cash that you can never play ultra Hand. you'll never be able to play super mario 35 officially again but casey did you get your super mario 35 fix yeah i mean i would be so (laughs) i I would be in exactly the same boat but just to be transparent i did get a code for super mario all-stars from nintendo that won't be collectible though i am not in a moral predicament because i did not have to spend money on it well okay but yeah um i i don't i i feel like i would have been in exactly the same boat as tom Right. Because, I mean. I have access to all of those other games already, but at the same time, I also know that most of them will be in storage a majority of the time, especially living in tiny places in expensive cities. Mm. So it's just that much easier to have it on the switch. But to have that false scarcity is just kind of. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tiny cart that's designed specifically for tiny city apartments. Mm -hmm. Yep. So (laughs) instead of needing all of my other stuff ah you need the crt for the n64 it's just forget about it it's a whole mess logan are you are you mourning the 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 death of mario no i'm actually not i'm more mourning the loss of fire emblem which is also getting delisted on after march 31st the uh, shadow dragon and the blade of light the first time the original fire emblem has been translated into english and they're just pulling it and that one is more egregious to me because it there was there's not really a physical copy of it. There was that physical limited edition, but it only came with a download code for the game. So it's like this right. is a fully translated relic from the Famicom era. And now if you didn't buy it in this six month window, because it only came out in December, I think. So it's actually only a three yeah. and a half month window. That yes. one that one bothers me more than the Mario stuff does. And like 3D All Stars. I mean, you could you're going to be able to play these games again in the future. They're going to be on future Nintendo platforms. But this neat little Fire Emblem project, I don't know if it's going to return. Uh, I hope it does. But yeah, it's that one bothers me more rid of it. It doesn't make any sense. The good news is it's only five dollars. Yeah. So go buy that one. Uh, or if, if you, you even if you, if you have enough have uh, like Nintendo points, you could probably cash them in and, and mm-hmm. pick that one up if you're interested. I bought the special edition. It's in scattered pieces. I actually uh, the little crystal cartridge I damaged trying to show it off here on the show uh, oh, when I no. first got it. Yeah, I dropped it on the cement floor of my basement and cracked the uh, the edge of it. So no, I'm like to me, the guy I who, am about whose job to it is to 
I mean, I wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't for the fact that my job is to like partially to monitor stock and it came into stock and I was like, click, I'm getting that before it goes five minutes later. So, I mean, I tweeted it out first, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that Doing was a bummer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you can get it, get it. If you have any interest in them, I recommend, I recommend checking out Fire Emblem actually, especially for, for $5 or your Nintendo points because it's, it's a very interesting um, game. It's hard to play in <laughs> 2021 because it is a very much a, a product of its time but it's still it's a super cool nes game so check it out before it goes away that was uh mario 3d all-star super mario 35 and the game and watch which you can probably still find in stores i went to a target the other day and they had like 10 of them and uh i recommend oh. getting one of those too because cool. those are super charming and wonderful and very difficult to hack so uh that's it mario will actually not be dying on april for april fools oh <laughs> they did to us ah oh, i feel like a i fool wonder how right mad now. people would be if they just killed mario <laughs> no like they can't come of... around on april fools and be like just kidding it's gonna be uh-huh. on the forever <laughs> i think that would make people even more mad than uh if they if they just yeah that's worse at this point yeah like the old switcheroo that's you don't want to do that that's a that's a confidence man trick. Or they come out on April 1st and be like, surprise, here's fully remastered. Actually, oh. not here fully remade versions of all of three of these games. Yeah, I mean, that's $60 they're not gonna a pop. That. They're not going to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And it comes with a new level and Mario has a new hat. Oh, I guess mm. he did. Actually, in honesty, the hat sold me the hat. That's what you want. All right, everyone on your uh, NBC bingo cards. Hit your free space because we're talking about Super Nintendo Switch rumors. Uh, if you listened last week, we decided that it's going to be called Super Nintendo Switch. From Ed Casey's getting up and leaving because she says I'm Switch done. for life. She does not <laughs> want to listen to talk about Super Nintendo Switch. But unfortunately, they're becoming less rumors and more like, I mean, I should say they're less fanciful rumors and they're much more believable, um, like, uh, uh, intelligence that sounds pretty much like we're getting the Super Nintendo Switch this. I believe you. Holiday. I'm just, I'm just tired. Is this tired? I mean, every week there's a new credible uh, source. This one came from. I don't have the source written. I believe this was a Bloomberg report. I believe but, so. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's an upgraded Nvidia chip. Currently has what the Tenga uh, uh, M1. No, I'm thinking of the Apple computer, whatever. It has a, a chip a chip in it by NVIDIA now, but this is a better new version uh, offering, quote, better graphics and processing. It supports NVIDIA's DLSS rendering, which somebody in the comments was asking about or was talking about last week. And it could be released. This fall. 2021. Oh, dang. Got yeah. it wrong. That uh, holiday. Uh, is not great and i am only saying that because the xbox and the playstation 5 came out holiday and from my perspective at work it was a nightmare to try to get people get those out to so people would know and from my perspective as somebody who wanted a console who has friends who still don't have one of those two consoles and who watches the comments, the sad, like devastated comments every time they come in. And then it's like 30 seconds later, it's like out, out, sold out, gone. No, I don't really want 
a holiday release in this climate because there are uh it's still hard logistical uh considerations are making the whole supply chain impossible the playstation 5 has transistor shortages that are only going to get worse and i have to imagine that that is not just that transistor but there's some supply side issue so as much as i would love to be playing my super nintendo switch underneath the, the christmas underneath the mistletoe and just smooching that <laughs> oled screen i kind of don't want to have to go through another console cycle unless they are confident that they can you know meet demand which I yeah, well, we saw the one million a month target was what they were trying to produce i think with one of the one of the first rumors that we saw a couple weeks ago from bloomberg uh, yeah. but I don't know, Seth, maybe you can give insight on this since you do uh, the IGN deals, but kind of have a theory that if it does come out this holiday, they might be easier to find than we anticipate because PS5 and Xbox Series X and S came out last holiday, but there were none available, like you said. And so this is kind of going to be their first big holiday season. There are still millions of people who want these things that don't have them that I could see their dollars going towards those systems rather than just a half step upgraded switch. And maybe this holiday, it's more of the Nintendo hardcore faithful that buy everything this company puts out. I'm, I'm talking about myself and and everyone else on this show right. uh that, that would go maybe <laughs> yeah for sure that would go out and get this on launch when other people families kids who are like hey can we get this new switch parents say we just got you the other switch what's different switch about this one yeah exactly <laughs> so i i can see it maybe being easier to find given the new consoles are still the hot thing and out of the 80 million people that have a switch only a fraction of those people are probably going to want to be day one upgrades that is a very good point, and I think there is probably some merit to that. Um, but at the same time, Nintendo is such the Switch is just such a force uh, uh, to be reckoned with at this time. And yeah. I mean, I, I, what was it last year around when Animal Crossing came out, and you couldn't, you could not get a Nintendo Switch because everybody wanted Nintendo Switch, and all of those people—I shouldn't say all of those people, but. I would venture to guess a large majority of those people, that's the only console they have. They only have a Switch or a Switch Lite, and they only play Nintendo games. And the sort of more mainstream audience is going to be after the Switch, which I think could present some uh, some some problems for us hardcore Nintendo people. I do think, or I should say, I do hope that the two other consoles, the Xbox and the PlayStation 5, are more readily available by holiday, just because I don't want people to have to go through <laughs> we have to, that horror we also again. have to consider that a lot of the shortages that were happening last year in this holiday season were due to COVID and a That's bunch also true, of but different suppliers not being able to produce what they could. And it, and it looks like things are getting better. Yeah, I, so. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think things are getting better, but I also think it's not going to be, you know, if, if, if COVID had never happened, you know, I don't think we're going to be reaching that level this year. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, there's a, it's just the, the, the domino effect of all the, all everything falling down. And it's going to be a long time before they can, you know, sort of pick yeah. those back up but, and get back up to speed. But yeah, I guess now everyone is more prepared with protocols in place to counteract the difficulties that COVID has caused as well. Whereas last year, like everyone just kind of had to start from scratch. So yeah. I that's also true a little bit better i mean i i have to be honest i really hope that if it does come out holiday 2020 and there's a lot of credible rumors that it will be and it 
going to be 50 to 100 dollars more than the existing switch if i'm being completely honest as much as i hope that there are enough for everybody i hope there's at least one for me and i have <laughs> to be honest and true to everyone because i really want i'm gonna buy it i'm not i'm come on come on there's, look at me the the interesting thing about this rumor too or this this kind of continued rumor is a it confirms if true obviously it, it confirms why they would be going 4k switch right because it's going to have actually better graphics uh capabilities um but then also the kind of like most unexpected part to me about this report from bloomberg is that they also said it's going to come alongside a like slew of games that are like right and nintendo said as much that they have unannounced blockbuster titles coming right yeah and so like that early that earlier nintendo direct recently which was like good but not like a gangbuster of a thing recently Mm -hmm. where everyone was like oh that's kind of all that's that's your 2021 like okay that's that's cool but you know not as much as i'm expecting it could be that it's because they're waiting to announce some things alongside this which would be really cool and really exciting also would make a lot of people want to buy this system Breath of the Wild 2, that's the day one game that comes out. I think Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are the day one game, if this (laughs) thing comes out. They well either way, they did say at least that's that more Zelda news is coming this year, right? So like it's it's really I don't know. It's I'm just very curious what that all that stuff is gonna be. Um because it could be the answer to why we didn't get as much during that direct. I also know that Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are slated to come out first. I don't know if they specified a qu- quarter. I don't remember, but it said they said 2022. So uh, if that were to be a launch title, then we wouldn't be getting the Pro Switch Pro Super Super Switch. Nintendo Switch. Wait, the remakes aren't coming until 2022. So they're oh sorry. Um, the Pokemon Legends. I was thinking of Pokemon Legends. I was thinking of Pokemon Legends. I'm sorry. My they're both they're both in the in Sinnoh. So. I'm very tired. I'm sorry. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are are whatever the order of those two things is, is uh not exactly the like graphical Prettiest. powerhouse of a thing that you would want to immediately system. Yeah, that's why my brain immediately went to Pokemon Legends, because that could right. potentially be a really pretty game when yeah. it's yeah. done. Yeah. But not, not that remakes, those remakes look so bad. No. They look they look good. They just are not what I would expect from a like here's this brand new f- stronger console that we want to show off the capabilities of yeah it's not going to push the hardware whatsoever uh, right being a chibi top-down pokemon game yeah not <laughs> well, to think of a chibi top-down zelda game sure pushed the hardware so uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah it broke it uh, <laughs> right there uh that was uh your free nintendo voice chat bingo slot uh we're ta- talking about the super nintendo switch more credible rumors holiday 2021 50 to 100 dollars more possibly we'll see wait and see who knows what next week will bring i have an idea though it'll bring more news about it. uh one more thing super nintendo world is open in tokyo japan ign japan went there and reviewed a theme park which i think might be the first theme park review that ign has ever done um i'm not sure we might have done i think we did star wars before oh uh, uh, galaxy's edge yes right yeah which also I still haven't been to. But uh, yeah, uh, from the review, this is all in quotes. Super Nintendo World brilliantly reinvents and gamifies the theme park experience while offering an unprecedented level of immersion. And most importantly, 
fun. It's a fitting tribute to Super Mario on the series' 35th anniversary that will fill your heart with joy. Nine out of ten. That's amazing. My heart, I don't know, but I can't speak for yours, but my heart needs a little more joy into it. However, the bad news is Japan has some pretty strict travel regulations still in effect, so you're not going to be able to go uh, at which is, this time. but Which is made even more disappointing by the fact that they're shutting down and tearing it all down on March 31st, 2021. <laughs> I was waiting Mario to jump time. in and say that, Tom. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hanging fruit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> this, yeah, this review was from Daniel Robson out of the, uh, uh, the, the chief IGN editor Japan. at IGN Japan. Yep. Yep. And uh, he got to go on like a press tour with uh, like, so it was all the, uh, a bunch of press people got to go kind of toured through with um nintendo or by the people by the park creators uh they got like four and a half hours in the park it was all like covid protected and yeah he said he could have stayed there all day right um yeah and it's it's just Just hiding in a warp pipe hopefully nobody (laughs) notices you it's cool to see he had so much fun with it (laughs) yeah um i everyone should go check out that article because the screenshots in there are I, they're not screenshots photos of real places of real are places. very cool remember <laughs> those remember real places <laughs> i know oh my god that was crazy uh so that was a super nintendo world review check that review out it's by ign japan and they they thought it was amazing i mean how could they not but uh real quick out this week last week i didn't realize that tom and i have a different uh, uh <laughs> definition of the week i was doing the week upcoming and he does the week that we just had so tales from the borderlands is out that is 25 dollars uh overcooked all you can eat is out story of seasons pioneers of all of town who rebecca who was on last week she reviewed it she gave it a seven she said story of seasons pioneers of all of town is familiar comfort food for farming game lovers and plenty of it uh she gave that a seven fifty bucks she gave the new harvest moon a five which was was not good um you know you're not going to want to harvest that one but of course (laughs) tomorrow monster hunter rise comes out i'm sure that that is uh, actually that's on all all of our uh sd cards right now because i Mm -hmm. after playing it the demo i asked I turned it on i asked parker are you interested in this he goes i don't know and then i played it and he said actually I think we should pre-order this. So yes. I pre-ordered it for him. Nice. But, I mean, also, uh, I want to keep playing it. Uh, Balan Wonderland. Or, God, Wonder why World. do I say that every time? Wonder World. Wonder World. Comes out tomorrow. That is also $60. And K's in the Wild Masks, which is I, a, a, a cool-looking retro platformer. Yeah, Seth, you might be into that one, actually. It's kind of okay. like, um, it's like, nine. it spills itself as like kind of like a 90s-style 2d side-scrolling platformer it's got like sonic vibes or that sort of world it just looks cool so i thought i'd shout it out um also really quickly one thing i did want to say uh just as kind of like a word of caution on balan wonderworld there's already a demo of that game out which you can try yourself so you don't have to take my word for it i thought the demo was pretty terrible Um, yeah it is awful and oh. I can at least tell you that uh, IGN has not received review code yet. Um, so we will not uh, have a review. Maybe at it's COVID. Tomorrow. That's why. That's sure. Can't, can't I mean, jump the no, you know what other game we also didn't receive code for? Harvest Moon. Ooh. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and to be fair, I've said this on the show many times. Just because you get code the day of does not mean or you don't get code. Right. Launch. That's not, not the game is bad. But yeah. That's kind of an old wives tale of a thing. You get code at different times for all different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
we I just saying this because we will not have pre-release coverage of that game as far as I know um and the demo was um what's what's a good word abysmal is how atrocious I mean. yeah i yeah. thought it was it was pretty that terrible so yeah more uh, like blunder very- world <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i just wanted to make yeah. sure that, that, was, that was said because it'll probably be out by the time a lot of people are listening to this oh that's that's a bummer all right well uh yeah monster on a rise comes out tomorrow uh, Ballad Wonder World comes out tomorrow, and Kays of the Wild Masks also comes out tomorrow, and you can check those out if you kind of want to. Narita Boy, I put on there in error, so we're gonna skip over that one because that one's not till next week, and I kickstarted that one like four years ago or whenever it was, and I'm very excited to to play. Um, I'm gonna skip over what we've been playing because I already know what everyone's been playing <laughs> or what is going to be in the future for everyone to be playing because I want to get to. The question block to get some uh questions answered from our listeners and viewers uh these are some pretty good uh good questions this week so sonny vaughn asks with a newly formed partnership between nintendo and niantic pikmin ar is on the way which of nintendo's franchises do you want niantic to give a go next personally he says i wouldn't mind a zelda ar game where you collect rupees koroks equipment etc and you go visit shrines dungeons where you need to solve some sort of puzzle and maybe some bubble clients um yeah that's my answer i think that was easy all right next casey can't Can't think of one everyone's Uh, thinking i'm just uh, gonna vamp i don't i don't know i animal crossing would not be a terrible one oh yeah that'd be kind of cute and fun I'm not I'm I'll be frank I'm not a huge fan of Niantic style AR walk around the world games not not that I have anything against them it's just not not totally my cup of tea but I could see a fun one of like turning your actual neighborhood into an Animal Crossing neighborhood would be oh, kind of cute that would be super cute yeah I yes go ahead Logan I think this this news is really weird the partnership with Nintendo and Niantic because it's obviously they're trying to recapture some of that Pokemon Go magic and I just don't think they're going to because nothing's as as big as Pokemon and nothing works as well in that gameplay style as Pokemon so I think my answer is I'm probably not really going to get into any of these games for this partnership I think that Pokemon Go was a lightning in a bottle moment that summer of 2016 when it came out. And was it that long ago? Oh my God. It was. Yeah. And I just don't really see it happening again. I think that, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is a really weird piece of news. I don't see millions of people downloading a Pikmin game and walking around with Pikmin. Uh, It's just really weird to me. I think Zelda could be cool, but it's, I'd rather just play Zelda on my switch or, (laughs) uh, or somewhere else. I'm going to I'm going to play the kind of one because I love Pikmin. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be the kind of games that I download and check out for a day and then. Oh, yeah. Look at again. I mean, my attention span with mobile games is abysmal. Word of the day, Um, (laughs) except for the one time I got really into Puzzle and Dragons and that was not an AR game. I guess I did get kind of into Pokemon Go when it first came out for that summer, but I was fatigued after a couple of months, especially after they took out the tracking mechanic. So, yeah. mm. Yeah. But then again, you got some people like uh, former news editor Andrew Goldfarb. Yes. Still, he's collected all of them and all their little hats and different ones, and he's still playing it. And to uh, sort of go on Logan's point about how uh, Pokemon—wait, who made the point about Pokemon being the driving Lightning factor? In a bottle. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, <laughs> Logan. Um. Uh. Yeah. That game pretty much existed in a different form before that, and I can't remember what it was called. And it was only like certain weird geocaching people. I shouldn't say that. Oh, it was a. It was on Google Maps. It was like a Google Maps. Yeah, I can't remember what thing. the name of it was, but it was. I mean, it's not the same. You didn't go around catching things, but it was sort of a like a, a, a GPS sort of driven game in the same vein. And very few people played it. Throw some Pokemon in there, boom! Everybody was going bananas. Throw some Pikmin on there. Ah, I'll try it. Oh, yeah. Right. Wait, wait, wait! You're talking about um, Egress. Niantic's, That's yes. what it was called. A Niantic's previous game. Yeah. Yes. And something else weird about this is that Nintendo just like totally pulled out of the mobile market. They just basically yeah. said, hey, we're not going to make any more games. And yeah, they're partnering with Niantic. So Niantic can make the games. But Nintendo on mobile just never really worked for me. And I think it's their their strategy of really wanting to provide premium value to to the customer. It's at that premium price, usually on console of, of $60. But on mobile, the nickel and diming, I think... I think Nintendo was uncomfortable with that. There were reports that that uh, DNA, who they partnered with to make mobile games last time, was pushing Nintendo to up the microtransaction game. And and Nintendo told the developers, hey, keep it down. Keep the microtransactions down because we don't want to screw over our customer base. A lot of kids play Nintendo games and they don't like that payment model. So this is really surprising news to me in general to see them dive back into that pool. Granted in a very different way, it's not the gotcha style game like fire emblem heroes was, but I'm just overall surprised to see them dip back into that pool that I kind of thought they were shifting away from. Yeah. yeah I know that they had that conversation with the Dragalia lost as well. And honestly, I, I thought Dragalia lost was good. I thought fire emblem heroes was good. I thought, you know, Mario run was, they were good mobile games. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I still want Dragalia Lost, like an actual Switch game of it. I liked it, but yeah, that would yeah, be attention span's too short. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty cool, actually. Yeah, uh, I I definitely played basically all the Nintendo mobile games, but yeah, it's like you said, it they just didn't just don't work. They're premium. It's like you know, I don't want to play a little bite sized version of Mario. I want to play Mario. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play a little weird Mario Kart. Although actually, Mario Kart on the phone is better than than it should be but um so there there's your answer sonny vaughn i'm sorry but uh we've decided we all hate our phones <laughs> Getting rid of hate that. it um uh joshua Hodgeboom. i'm not sure if i'm saying that right i'm sorry if i messed up your name finally Shameful. someone else is in the hot seat uh it's the worst okay uh <laughs> Wants to know what is the best weapon slash strategy in rise for a newbie to the monster hunter series and i have a personal interest in the same question because i would like to know casey i defer to you the guides uh monster hunter expert the best strategy as a newbie okay. to monster okay. hunter rise is to go to ign's beginner's ah. guide for monster hunter rise <laughs> on our wiki page um yeah <laughs> did you see that <laughs> but also um i would say there are a couple of weapons that I think are good for beginners. I, I always tell people to start with the sword and shield. I think it's very versatile. You don't need to manage any gauges or like anything in particular. You can use items with your weapon out if you use the radial menu or if you're a guardian at the same time. The rise has added a few more interesting mechanics to the sword and shield this time around, but it's fine. You don't need to know about them to play. <laughs> and I know that so dual swords dual sorts dual blades do have some 
gauge that you have to manage, but it's pretty simple. And I think anyone who's used to video games will get used to it quite quickly. I also think um, if you like heavier and slower weapons, I think hammer is a pretty mm. decent one as well. Logan and Tom, please, please chime in if you uh, disagree. I'll write this down. Hammer. <laughs> if you want to look the best and look really cool, then you should play Switch X because it's the coolest. <laughs> yeah, but maybe also uh, not the best for a I, that's what I started with when I started oh, wow. Monster Hunter, and I've never gone back. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. I think that is a yeah. testament to part of what we were saying earlier, though. Too is like if you just pick something and just like try it and just keep playing with it, you'll get better at it no matter yeah. what you pick. Um, Honestly, okay. yeah. yeah. Honestly, but, so, go ahead, Tom. What I was going to say is, in case you already mentioned it, but I I usually when I am talking to completely new players, recommend the dual blades just because they are the fastest, fastest, fastest weapon. So you can dodge a lot more than you would. Like you can break out of animations quicker than you would with a mm. lot of the other weapons. And it's a lot less reliant on like being in the exact right spot when you start your attacks to deal the damage. Um, and like you said, the bar that you charge up is kind of an added layer of nuance whenever you want it but like frankly in the very early beginning of that game you can completely ignore the demon gauge on the dual blades and just sort of like hit stuff and learn what you're doing and then like engage with that system once you're ready to later mm -hmm. and cool. monster Hunter rise starts you out with all 14 weapons already in your box so you can take them all to the training area yeah. and just try them out until you find one that you vibe with yeah mess around it, yeah it was a little overwhelming in the demo i was like parker what do i do he's like oh, okay. no no <laughs> like take sword. it yeah take it to the so the training area is cool because it shows you the combos as you do them and it shows you like what you can do with your weapon on screen so you can kind of like even i like go back there sometimes because i do something out in the field i'm like how the heck did i just do that really cool thing <laughs> and i'll go back oh. in the training area and i'll be like that's how i do it because it shows you your button inputs <laughs> <laughs> I. That I reminds like that me yesterday you, <laughs> when I was playing the uh, the demo, I was fighting the intermediate uh, monster who I can't we remember the name today. of the guy who shoots the bubbles. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I did a, um, a wire bug up a wall and I did a backflip just as he was like, I dodged from this backflip. And I was like, oh, I wish I had actually <laughs> done that on purpose because that was so amazing. So uh, I'm looking forward stuff. to more stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think we have time for one more. Uh, also, Neil Patrick, I did, I did use the switch axe and try and three ultimate. It is a very good weapon. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to hate. I didn't mean to hate. I use a very complicated weapon also in the in the insect glaive, and I just yeah, I'll shut up. <laughs> uh, Neil Patrick Malari asks for the people who love Monster Hunter series, which is the entire panel. In what Monster Hunter game and in what moment in that game did you know that you love or will love this series, Casey? Uh, okay, I was playing. The very first one, and I was playing online at like two o'clock in the morning over the summer, and some random person on the internet who I had been playing with in a certain room, that's the way online worked, uh, decided to take time to teach me how to headlock with the lance. Didn't know this person, but took time out of the day to teach, teach someone who had no idea what she was doing, how to do this really uh, complicated mechanic and did it for hours. So that's awesome. Thank you, Monster Hunter community. That was very cool. Oh, man. Logan, the person, what about you? I'm sorry. What? Sorry. The person <laughs> who introduced me to Monster Hunter in high school, uh, who I, I was dating at the time, we're still friends. And he texted me and my current fiance nice. that he's excited to play with us this weekend. So, you Aww, know, Monster Hunter geez. transcends all those friendships. Okay. 
go. <laughs> Uh, for me, it was fighting. Uh, World was actually my first Monster Hunter. I've gone back uh, through the series since then, but World is when I got really into it. And it was fighting the Diablos, and it was just kicking me in my friend's butt. And we we put the game down for a while and did this deep dive on YouTube videos and strategies and just learned so much information about this game. And we just really became driven to just become those guys, you fire the SOS flare and these people roll into your hunt and just dominate the monster for you. And we're like, we want to be that good. And so it's just that drive that Monster Hunter is really a game that you can, if you invest into it, you can just become so skilled at it. And I thought that was really, really cool. It almost felt like playing games when you're a kid where you're just like beating your head against the wall until something clicks. And I think it was it was that Diablos fight in the main story of World where it really clicked for me. Nice. Tom? Real quick, we have less than a minute. Uh, okay, well, so I, I got into Monster Hunter through World, really, but uh, the moment I knew that I really like liked the series was actually way back with, I think it was Monster Hunter Try, with a friend at a friend's house just being like, wait, so all you do in this game is fight giant, giant things, like bigger things than I'd ever seen in an action game up until that point, and I was like, yeah, I want to get into this, and then I just never did until World because it it felt very hard to get into dense to get Mm -hmm. into, but I'm very glad I did. I'm very glad I've gone back like Logan and played some of the other ones since. And uh, yeah, I'm it's hard to hard to get over just the feeling of fighting something 10 times the size of you. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited. I'm hoping that maybe this will be my monster hunter moment because I, like I said, in the demo, it almost clicked. Like it was right there on the edge. And I was like, "Ah, I just wish I had more time. So I'll, I'll check back with you next time I'm on. But that is all the time we have for this week. I want to thank my panel, and I will let everyone know that Casey will be back in the hosting chair tomorrow so she can mess up your name and not me, which is very <laughs> exciting for me. Uh, this is NBC, the only podcast where you can... Get the thing. Get the thing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.